What's up, folks? Welcome in. It is February the 19th. It is Monday, and you're tuned in to episode 6 of the Puro Caballero Show. This is your host, Mara Mario, in the place to be, doing it, moving it, grooving it, all the way live. And uh, we're here, just chilling. Tune it back in. Had a little hiatus from since last week. Thought we were gonna maybe do a show this weekend, possibly. We had uh, some All Star festivities going on. Uh, some NBC Olympics action. Honestly, haven't even paid attention to, and some other things in the news. And uh, the world just keeps on moving. First off, uh, I think I read that there was uh, another earthquake in uh, Mexico. I just want to send my condolences because um, it's definitely not something we should forget. I know a lot of people are still devastated off the last ones that happened last year. So, um, yeah, those people definitely need help. So hopefully they can get all that. And once again, just been thinking a lot about the the shooting last week we'll definitely dive into that topic a little later but just uh, in the interim though a good thing that happened to me and i think is happening to a lot of people in this country is the new marvel movie phenomenon black panther that was amazing because i got a chance to see it yesterday for the nba all-star game and man that was an incredible movie it was just layers on layers to unpack there there was a lot to take into it and i was talking to my friend miguel yesterday uh, i was hoping to get him on the show but he had to dip out a little early as we were watching the all-star game last night um yeah we were talking about it man there's like a lot of stuff to get into in terms of how the characters are uh, developed and the background and storyline and what they represent and what they entail and there's a lot of race theory that goes involved with uh, a lot of how they acted and reacted and I know Ryan Coogler knows this shit very well and he did a very good job of presenting it Um, so you could take it on its face and it's still an entertaining movie and you can dig it a little deeper for some metaphors and and, uh, some uh, messages that are trying to be made across they uh um, you know, they definitely shine through. You could definitely feel that if uh, you're one, a person so inclined to look out for that those things in a movie. If you're somebody that's just looking for the excitement of like moving pictures and all that, you know, more power to you. It's definitely a very, very cool movie as well. So I'm just going to go spoiler alert um, on pretty much the whole show because now I want to just start getting into it. So if you haven't seen it, go watch that. Uh, support um, yeah it was it was amazing it was amazing so it's definitely uh, <laughs> from the fields of Twitter a very very powerful moment for the black community here in America and I'm gonna let them have their shine let them have their due man I think it's uh, it's amazing uh, second thing I want to say is I think it's incredible that Ryan Coogler got the shout out his own hometown aka the town, the city of Oakland, California, uh, all throughout the movie, because that was uh, <laughs> yeah, 
pretty pretty awesome because if you have ever been or know or familiar with people who are from Oakland or the area and the town that uh, it's, it's just a different type of breed and mentality of like certain people there's just a certain um, aura or like presence that they kind of give out and the way that they communicate you got to be like hip to the lingo and hip to the game but once you're you know kind of figure out what's going on it's it's all love but you got to be able to get in that mindset and understand where they're coming from and to his credit i think uh kugler did a very good job in writing uh, uh killmonger uh the character the uh what would typically be viewed as as a villain you had very very deep layers and i think he was the most entertaining character uh on the screen no no offense to chala and uh, everyone else on there but you've seen those archetypes before and i think this kind of happens a lot with more modern films is a lot of times it's very difficult to be nuanced with the protagonist uh, of a particular film especially one that's in a superhero universe because we all know the storylines and the plot lines and it's old as day and night pretty much i mean you can go back to the ancient greeks and shakespeare and everything like that to find the same kind of storylines that are present and you can find them in a lot of other different cultures as well but regardless i think uh, a lot of the good um superhero type of movies that stand out in the last maybe 15 20 years or so tends to be the uh, um, uh, antagonist the quote-unquote villain or the more of the flawed characters uh, who tend to be the ones that kind of make a film stand out a little bit definitely the joker comes to mind as of uh, recently uh, that's a uh, a very very good one I would say um, trying to remember the apes name Panther of the Apes in that series I thought was, that was another good uh, antagonist um, there's some others I can probably think of later but in any event Killmonger was amazing Killmonger was just acted like like a motherfucker from Oakland would act if he was in that position just the way he came and presented himself. He was so upright and just like self-righteous. Very, very proud. And he was, uh, you know, some dude who's just not going to take any shit, pretty much. That's it's kind of the M.O. that uh, you kind of get. And it was, you can definitely feel that in the movie. And all the little references, man. They dropped some too short air at the beginning when they did the flashback scene back to the 80s. And uh, you get to see the little kid, little Michael B. Jordan's character. He gets used like balling up, uh, talking about how you're looking like Mitch Richmond crossing kids over. That, that that was pretty dope. And then they brought it all the way back at the end of the movie when T'Challa comes and they go back to, to that same building. And you get to hear the Mozzie freaking uh, sleepwalking playing in the background. Shout out to Mozzie, the one out Aki's freaking salute that shit is still bumping man I had to play that shit um over the weekend man just to remind myself because people be forgetting man that shit was fire can't wait to the the new the two new albums i think it's, it's got slated 
uh, I can't remember. It was like Gangland something. But shout out to Mozzie. I'm uh, boofing it right now. But uh, that that uh, one up top Ock is uh, a hell of a fucking album. I was slapping it right before I went into the the theater too, and I'm like, I just finished watch uh, Sleepwalking, so like. I stuck around and saw that shit at the end. I was like, ooh, boy, they know it. They knew it. This shit was perfect. But, yeah, it was uh, it was amazing. Just... Killmonger was a hell of a character, though. I love the whole the whole universe because everything gets kind of, like, stale after a while because we've seen different reincarnations of the Batman, the Spider-Mans, the, the X-Mans, and what have you. So we kind of know those realities and those characters and... So bringing something new and something creative was definitely, I feel, a very, very good call by Marvel. And it kind of, they did a very good job of making it organic and not doing a bad job of copying something that is authentic. So I thought that was a, they kind of uh, let some of the talent kind of shine through in front and behind the camera, which is, which was awesome. Man, I remember the. I think with, uh, some of the lines though that Michael B. Jordan said when he's talking about uh, when he's there at the the museum with the white lady. She's coming up and he's talking about the different masks, the African masks, and he sees the uh, uh, what the hell? I'm gonna I'm stumbling over all the specifics. I don't remember like little individual details of movies too much. I try to look for the messages, but um, let's see. All right, cool. Google's amazing. Uh, vibranium. That was the name of the <laughs> uh, name of the uh, the metal. So yeah, they had that that uh the vibranium in the the tool, and they end up finding it, and they uh, Michael B. Jordan's like telling the ladies like, okay, yeah, I'm a, I think I'm a cop that. She's like, well, I'm sorry, that's not for sale. <laughs> Comes back and says, oh man, do you think that's how your ancestors got access to that or got a hold of that? And I'm butchering the line, but damn, that was cold blooded. That and the one at the end too. He's talking about uh, um, when he's uh, had like the final battle with uh, T'Challa, and uh, gets a sword through him. And they're talking about how he might be able to save him. And he basically was like, "Nah, motherfucker," and took the sword and was saying, uh, "Damn, cold ass line." He had a cold ass line at the end. And now I'm, I'm fucking, uh, fucking up. <laughs> oh, man. Fucking up. Let me see if I can find it. I was, I was really disappointed that he died at the end, though. It was really, 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 uh, upset. That he died at the end. They said, bury me in the ocean with my ancestors that jumped from the ships because they knew death was better than bondage. I'm like, ooh, shit. That was cold. That was cold-blooded, man. 
That was a that was an amazing character. That was the the coldest line of the movie, man. That was amazing, and I thought it was it did a very good job of presenting a lot of different individual storylines within it and different concepts that kind of society is really thinking about. Like a lot of us uh, recently, like in the last few years, there's been a lot of talk and a lot of uh, attention paid to a lot of the concepts of uh, us versus them, the in-group versus the out-group, Team A versus Team B. You know, there's definitely been the black-white dynamic and you can see and feel that throughout the movie and they kind of took it and flipped it by making the black civilization have access to superior technology and and weaponry and um, equipment and everything else so uh, they really flipped the, the script that way and presented a world where the um, uh, black community can finally or like a, a, a nation can be proud but I think the catch was they lived in secrecy because they had they were trying to protect the way their own way of living and they did so by establishing a way to make sure there's no contact with the outside world or limiting that um, or at least being um, undetectable to everybody else so they kind of present uh, another um, you know quandary where you have a community that's pristine and whole and advanced and everything else but they're not necessarily uh, distributing that benefits of their technology and their uh, you know groundbreaking efforts and everything with the rest of the world and especially with the different black communities that are you know on all the continents or a lot of different continents now I would say so a lot of you know just being pretty frank here I mean a lot of the those communities have gotten like the short end of the stick everywhere they've uh, they've turned up whether it's been by their own volition or uh, through other means by forced movement um, slavery being the primary factor so they really brought the whole Killmonger uh, beef full circle because he's upset at the fact that Wakanda this great nation doesn't necessarily share all the fruits and gifts that they've been given with other communities so they have been in a perpetual state of uh, looked at as a lesser than uh, someone who can be controlled and not as powerful when in reality that could dynamic could have switched so his intentions in trying to be getting on the throne was to try to benefit all of humanity or at least his uh, black brothers and sisters, at least in his eyes. So I thought it was amazing that they all tied that in because there's been a lot of talk too about recently how it's, uh, um, we think very, really highly of uh, the United States and very, very poorly of other countries, other nations when we shouldn't necessarily be thinking this way we're all in, in this together and we're all in this as like a whole so um <clears throat> we uh we shouldn't necessarily denigrate and try to belittle other people and it's much much easier to be 
be able to receive help and benefit when you're more forthcoming because you never know when the shoe's on the other foot and um, you're going to be asking somebody else for aid or whatever the situation might be. So it just makes things a lot lot easier to, to deal with in relations. But the way Killmonger uh, presented that argument, it was kind of the way an Oakland dude would. It's just pretty brash up front and not really thinking about the nuances of how crazy of a dynamic that is. Um, that, you know, being able to have access and possibly uh, have that power and bring that change for, in his mind, what is good. But for the people of Wakanda, they think of it as evil. And they kind of, like, lean on it later that it, it, it felt like the message was kind of taken and that the people of Wakanda were still, like, okay. They kind of figured that, all right, now it's time to benefit the rest of the world and you kind of see it at the end too when uh, T'Challa is at the speaking to the United Nations basically saying that he's going to share the the uh, uh, secrets of uh, the people of Wakanda and most of them thought them as like poor sheep herders from this like real poor country but then there's like a whole secret under like a layer of uh, society where these different tribes have lived and there's super advanced um, you know people with different technologies and they can live uh, a long time and everything. Obviously, it's made up and every everything like that. It was basically the concept of the lost city of like El Dorado, but in Africa instead of in uh, the quote-unquote New World or in the Americas. So that whole different dynamic was I thought it was pretty cool. It was really really interesting. There's a lot lot to unpack in the movie. Uh, even within the characters and and all that, I thought uh, it was really, really, really funny that uh, Chala's uh, girlfriend or whatever was, you know, going against like the the slave trade and was trying to be like an activist and not somebody who wanted to sit around and and uh, you know sit on that uh, golden throne but not really have an impact on the world. So her character kind of really, I think, has embodied a lot of the sentiments for some people here uh, who are like becoming more more involved in like activist fronts and things of that nature. But uh, yeah, you know, it was funny, too. I was reading a, a review actually it was on super, super uh, nasty website that I normally don't don't fuck with it at all but I thought it was pretty funny because they're saying that it's a positive review on the right wing Breitbart and I think the reason they gave it a positive review is because they had that that side plot line about the whole uh, building a fence or building borders or building building walls with the different communities versus trying to accept them in because they were tackling with that that whole concept too and that's kind of like a big a big big talking point or big uh, um, you know whistle call I guess to in both sides too, on different fronts and different perspectives too. So I thought that <laughs> I thought that shit was pretty interesting. Like everybody seemed like I get something from the movie. Um, I mean, it just in in general, it was just amazing to look at. There were some dope dope scenes in there too. I thought the one where they left the uh, gambling scene in Korea, I want to say Korea or Japan. They that I thought that was really dope. 
they had the, the cars going around and the chick was uh, remote control driving the car from from Wakanda way back so uh, she didn't need to be like there present I thought that was dope I thought that the concept of the different tribes was uh, was very very cool as well and you could see the different powers and everything that they kind of had access to so I thought that was uh, real unique it gave us some depth so everyone's not necessarily coming from the same exact perspective even though they might share agreement with decision making and and all that that shit was was dope so there's more layers that way you can kind of unpeel yeah it was a really really great movie and it got me just got me thinking got the mind mind rolling because i hadn't honestly been to a movie in fucking forever and I guess it was just like a right place, right time, and I think I had like a gift card too, so didn't have to pay like hardly anything to go see it, and some IMAX, which was dope. It was, uh, got my, got my mind to wandering, and I was really thinking about how a lot of black people really feel really, really empowered because it's a lot of representation on the screen, just people who look like them in positions of uh that uh you know they normally wouldn't necessarily have uh, seen themselves in before not uh, not as much or not as uh dominant or as present there i mean for god's sakes one of the characters called the white dude the colonizer like right there to his face is a disgusting term <laughs> i thought that shit was pretty cold-blooded man and that was some uh ballsy shit i thought that shit was dope you could tell, like, the, the feeling in the room and the feeling, uh, or, like, in the theater. A lot of people were, were smirking and smiling because of that. Because that, uh, that was a cold-blooded line right there. But what it got me thinking, and what I think would be a very, very good segue uh, to this that could be involved in the Marvel world or it could be outside of it. It could be its own breakaway story, but... There's been a lot of concepts and movies done on the whole idea of El Dorado or the City of Gold, the Lost City of Gold, where the Spaniards were going around trying to find and discover, um, you know, this abandoned civilization where they could reap the benefits off of all the the jewels and the valuables that they left behind. So far, this uh, imaginative city has, I guess, technically never been found. There's been some idea that it could have been a couple different places. I know there was thought that it could have been Mexico City, but they were disappointed because there. I don't think there was very much gold, actually, by the Aztecs there. Um, in Tenochtitlan, which is present-day El Distrito Federal, in the Ciudad de Mexico, but... Um, yeah, so I think there, that city could have been conflated with that. I think there's maybe a, a couple other places as well. I do know that the Mayans definitely left um, at some point. Um, or I guess their civilization as we had known them or as we observed them differed. And, and that was pretty much a mystery. So, and there's a lot of different concepts too that... Uh, of, uh, we're kind of growing up somewhat um, 
not really, I guess, brought about or discussed as much until I kind of went to college and really started, like, doing some studies, especially Jacano studies class that I took in college, and that kind of opened up different uh, um, literary art, uh, works from different people in the past and how they've taken the different concept of what is a Mexican-American kind of same thread that runs through a large, large millions and millions of people, large, large communities in this uh, this country, and and how it's a connection that is uh, goes across borders and the culture that goes across languages even, and how there's a, a um, how should I say this very very <clears throat> interesting concepts in terms of uh, how these people should definitely. Uh, see themselves in a very positive light in a very proud manner uh, with a lot of pride for past accomplishments of what different civilizations and peoples have done and it's a very interesting concept too but I think what would be really cool is if we could kind of incorporate some of the same um, kind of myths and you know folklores of these uh, peoples that we know of and people who we don't know of they i feel like we can kind of combine these and make it into its own kind of realm and world where uh there's a lot of different myths of uh, different peoples um especially the people who live in americas because our current concept of it is that the people came across on the bering strait from asia and i think they were from like the chinese plains i want to say um somewhere over there um so that's uh, how I guess the the that population eventually came across and then migrated south through the Americas all the way down to um, the communities that live in the Amazons and South America area. So there's that idea and concept already established, but then I feel like we can uh, take it up a notch by uh, because there's definitely been a lot of I've read into this in the past because I had an old roommate who used to uh, bring this up to me in discussions about how there's thought by some folks that there was contact between the people in the Americas and the people of Africa, the continent of Africa, um, sometime before the discovery by Europeans of the Americas, and that there was some trade of ideas or concepts or of people or cultures uh, of some sort and a lot of people tend to point to the uh, a lot of the statues and that you tend to find in a lot of pre-columbian civilizations a lot of them tend to have <laughs> of uh, a lot of african dominant features as uh, um you know some people can put it other ways but basically kind of like a whiter nose more of a fuller lips and a whiter face versus a more angular face or uh even a more rounder shaped face that kind of is comes from people maybe of uh, asian descent a little bit and i guess more fuller eye fi figures which is a different contrast to people who would come from uh the continent of Asia versus the continent of Africa. I think that is, uh, generally speaking, uh, 
characteristic and a trait that kind of comes through. And so a lot of people would say like a lot of the Omec heads look more like an African figure than it would somebody who lives in America. So there's, there's a lot of rumors and everything like that. And I don't know how much you put into it, but we can kind of continue that, that kind of train of thought. We can maybe say that, hey, that, uh, um, what the heck was it? Um, uh, the vibranium. We could just basically just keep keep the that whole world and just say some of the vibranium came across and was uh, shared with the um, people of the Americas. You can create a different name of whatever uh, tribe you wanted in there. The could be the Mayan, could be any number of them. You can go all over. And <clears throat> we could definitely say from there, maybe there was like a, a lost civilization or there was a civilization that eventually kind of took a similar route that the Wakandan did. And they kind of hid themselves and created like a force field using the technology. So we could say maybe that sim something similar happened there and they may have developed it on their own using let's just say the plant and let's just say they they figured it out or they figured different ways how to use it so they took an island instead of maybe the galapagos or just you know somewhere off of the off the coast of uh like mexico or somewhere or costa rica or wherever it could be in the caribbean you know we can make it we can spice it up and can, can uh, go all over and we could say it's like a long like a lost island maybe it's the um uh, what's it called in the Caribbean? Um, oh man, on my blanket, on my blanket. Bermuda, Bermuda Triangle. That's what it is. That's what it is. Wow, that took me a minute. Bermuda Triangle. But yeah, we could we could say we could put we could throw it right in the Bermuda Triangle and say that that's the reason why all the planes and everything else ends up becoming lost in that area is because they end up becoming engulfed or they get disoriented by the technology of the vibranium. And we can continue that thought and say that these peoples were the ancient Mayans who eventually moved from the area. And that's the reason why the temples and everything were abandoned. Because they, f they understood that the onset of the Europeans um, would uh, bring about the... No, no, we don't even need to go that far. We could just say that they had like a, a prophecy that... Uh, they felt or that they they believed in where they needed to um hide themselves for x amount of hundreds of years thousands of years and then uh eventually they would uh, uh present themselves to the world and then we could go off of that or and then we can use that method to bring them into the marvel world some somehow and then eventually bring them into the uh uh get their own movie so was, i feel like that shit would be dope and it's kind of the like I said, we can continue like on Chicano race theory of how like the lost empire of Aslan, it's kind of like a fictitious place that would be present day southern U.S., northern Mexico of uh, like a, an empire that uh, stretched that area um, of a proud, proud people. But in all honesty, uh, it was different regional tribes that controlled those territories over... Um, thousands of years as far as, as we know of it granted a lot of the tradition was lost because it was not necessarily written and was passed down through um, verbal 
um, verbal tradition, I guess, orally. It was passed down. It's just uh, you just had the elders, and they would tell the stories, and then it got passed down and by generation and generation, so on and so forth. Because uh, not all the the peoples of the Americas had written forms of languages. Most of them didn't actually. More of the the ones that go farther south, so definitely, uh, you see you see that more. Some of the civilizations that were able to produce crops themselves, and they moved away from the hunter-gatherer stage stages a little bit. And we all know what happened eventually. The Spaniards came, kind of fucked shit up in South America, minus the Portuguese, and uh, in I guess other parts of the Caribbean, took over Florida as well. Mexico, and then pretty much everywhere south, minus a few places. And the Caribbean were divvied up a little bit as well, mostly Spaniards though. Spain really has uh, a lot of responsibility for a lot of shit that happened in uh, on this continent. That us in America, we don't really become cognizant too too much of it unless we really go out of the way to kind of learn that stuff because it's not really brought up or discussed much in history because a lot of our connections just with uh, Great Britain and gaining independence from them but think about the whole land territory this is a 50 state nation plus other territories that were nowhere near where the original 13 colonies are at so it's uh, a concept of what is the US and what our connection is like has morphed over time and I think more people understand we actually have a connection with the other communities and other peoples who have been here um, before the creation of uh, the 48 continental U.S. states plus Hawaii, Alaska, and all the other territories in Puerto Rico. Ooh, damn, that was crazy. Watching some sports center, some dude with the skate got clipped somebody in the back of the leg. Ooh, the goalie. Ooh, that looked like I hurt. Those hockey dudes are crazy, man. Crazy. Crazy tough. Don't take no shit. Don't take them out. Damn. But anyway, I think that whole... We can hold tie, tie this whole story and our, that whole plot line together. And we can also kind of tie in just some popular um, Latino culture as well. We can bring up the whole religious aspect of it and the whole kind of fusion of European Catholicism and the kind of tribal mysticism that uh, there was really present and that kind of religious um, mindset and affiliation. I think the movie um, Apocalypto, Apocalypto was really, really dope. It doesn't really touch on that as much. There was another one that was really really amazing I'm trying to think of now uh, let's see let's see what the heck was it dang just give me Mel Gibson movies on my Google this is not like I'm thinking of 
sword wielding epics. That's what <laughs> oh boy. Let's see. Hmm. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Oh my God! What the hell was the name of it? Oh man. There was a really good movie that I saw, and it touched a really good. Uh, what was it? Let me see. Hmm. Really trying to think. What the hell is the name of it? Ah, there it is. Alright, so we found it. It's La Otra Conquista, The Other Conquest. That was an amazing, amazing movie. came out in 98. I think it was uh, it's a smaller movie, so sometimes it's hard to find. But I've seen that one a few times. That was uh, an amazing movie. And, like One of the main characters is this, uh, this native who is co-opted by the religious communities there and obviously everyone is like a force to become uh, Catholic so he kind of falls into that trap and you kind of see the whole uh, uh, transition of how he becomes uh, someone who thinks in a Catholic way but there's a lot of mysticism and there's a lot of uh, his old ways that kind of prop up and kind of there's a, a blending and a fusion of the two and that really is present in the, like uh the the mexican religion i mean the most easiest obvious example is definitely uh los dia de los muertos because that was not a, a catholic celebration but it was kind of co-opted uh and they kind of fused together to become such a uh, like kind of a new tradition and that was uh, done in a way so that the spaniards can kind of ease the uh, transition and and the get the natives kind of I don't say like on their side but under their control for sure under their thumb and they used it to their advantage. But the main character Topitz and he goes by Tomas as well because they change his name and they uh, kind of goes to the story of uh, Malinche, um, which was the. Uh, pretty much Hernan Cortez's lover who kind of helped him overthrow um, Tenochtitlan and the whole Aztec Empire. And uh, that was, uh, we can probably kind of incorporate that into the whole fiction of the whole story. If, if need be, there's a lot to kind of move and play with it there. Could kind of create a whole empire that decided to, you know, withdraw from the um, you know with society in the earth let's say for a thousand years or so or 700 years whatever it is and then they come back and then eventually it's uh, the same situation as Wakanda or similar we can we can kind of piggyback off of that make them uh, compare and contrast because there's a, a lot of people I would say that uh are especially current society for people who are Mexican American like myself who um, at different times especially for me growing up you kind of 
try to go back and and say like be proud of something of like who you're who you are where you're from because a lot of the implicit messaging in society is that uh if you're not necessarily like everybody else it you're um not as celebrated i'd say and that can kind of mess with your psyche in terms of your perspective and uh, your self-confidence and and things like that and sometimes things are questioned took me a long time to kind of be take a real critical thought and take a look at a lot of things and so i feel like a lot of people right now are kind of thinking of of uh, themselves and maybe not the greatest of lights which shouldn't necessarily be so you know people can definitely be proud of a lot of different things and because uh, there's a lot of beauty in every single culture and there's more one of the other lines that was in the movie in the black panther movie that stuck out to is this that something that i really take to heart and that i've kind of uh, made one of my my ethos in in the past is just that there's more between all of us in common than there is differences if you think about it, if you break it down into the nitty gritty of everything of anyone who's ever lived there's more in common um, than there are differences we are more similar than we think and we give each other credit for but but yeah it's i think uh we can kind of use that to kind of be able to present the the a lot of the history that is not really known or told or really discovered or really you know really delve deep into we can kind of use that to present a whole fictionalized world that kind of flips that dichotomy or or that situation kind of on its head because it's uh, the layers are very very different in uh, the Americas, I would say, than in um, or in Latin America than it is in other maybe like Anglo American countries. I would say so the dichotomy is different. Um, but we don't even need to necessarily go into that. We can just keep it on just the level of the the native people because. The intermixture of different races really happened after the Europeans came. As far as we know, because I guess like we said, we can go back and talk about how like the, the Wakandans might have had contact with them or whatever, which would be cool. So then at that point, you can kind of get some uh, possible mixture of uh, cultures together that way. Um, so who knows? Who knows? Who knows? We don't necessarily need to go all the way that but there's a lot of potential. I think we can probably uh, the world could do it. I was thinking, like, I was thinking like maybe I should start working on it because I don't know if anybody else would would do it. And you just if a thought comes to your head, sometimes you're just like, fuck it, might as well do it myself. So I guess that's why I'm putting it out here on the podcast so I can try to keep myself to that. That's it's just an idea to come back to, something to throw around. That uh, we can bring it back. Uh, you know. If I ever meet a executive and he ever tells me if I have any ideas in my head, I think that's the one I'll bring up. Yeah, so that, uh, I think that that could be a really, really dope one. You can get uh, some very, very cool visuals and get uh, maybe have them speaking Nahuatl or some some other other native native language that's not Spanish, some pre-Columbian languages that uh, are still known. So that'd be a cool, cool thing. 
So, yeah, that would, you know, I think I would like, I'd probably prefer it to be kind of tied to the Marvel Universe, but it doesn't necessarily need to or have to be kind of create its own, uh, its own, uh, its own work. But I think it, it's kind of a bit powerful once you do see it have as much value as you do the other very Bollywood Marvel characters and their superheroes and all they have all their whole myths and everything like that so it could uh if done right I think it could uh it could be very impactful very similar to the way Black Panther was who knows anyway Shout out to Mozzie though. mozzie been killing it. Uh, I'm going to be up in SAC pretty soon actually. A couple weekends. So if you're out there, say what's up. I'll be around. Going to a Kings game too. I think I'm going to play the Knicks on the 4th. I was excited because when I got the tickets, Chris Dapp still had two healthy knees. But now he doesn't. So I'm really only there to watch SAC. <laughs> Hopefully it's... Uh, not that exciting of a game in a good way. Because uh, Kings Young players, we'll see. They're exciting in my mind. Maybe not for everybody's taste, but they're exciting for me. Shout out to Bogdan Bogdanovich, though, making the uh, Rising Stars MVP. Or taking away the Rising Stars MVP on Friday night. Put up like 24 points. I think he had like seven three-pointers. Or six three-pointers. and Six assists. I want to say had a good game. Had 24 points, uh, and I think uh, Buddy Hield had 26 to lead all scores. So the two Kings players actually played really well. De'Aaron Fox I think played as well also, but his numbers wasn't as good. It's it's just one of those exhibition type games, so it's, you can't read too too much into it. I remember Omri Caspi having a good game. <laughs> He's been a solid player, but nothing super spectacular. I'm still a fan of how he plays, but you know. It's the NBA. There's only certain levels you, certain guys can get to or are willing to get to. But while I was out there, while watching the movie, I was out getting food though, and I was, uh, it was super crazy to me because uh, I was wearing a Raider hat, and I went to like LNL Hawaiian barbecue, and some random like. Uh, white dude who looked like he'd be driving a truck or whatever kind of came up to me and was just like, hey, man, go Raiders. <laughs> I looked back at him. I was like, hell yeah, man, go Raiders. And it was kind of odd because it might have been like two individuals, me and him, who might necessarily not have ever been friendly with each other, but you got a little one little common thing, and you can kind of kind of see that uh, the Raider Nation is really strong, man. I think that's really, really incredible and amazing. So wherever you go. If you have, if you rock some Raider gear, you'll usually be able to find somebody who gives you, gives you some depth. It's, uh, especially in California, man, you can go almost anywhere here and not be too far. <laughs> feel, feel, uh, too out of, uh, comfort because, uh, Nation's pretty strong. So, shout out to Nation. Just wanted to throw that in there. But, uh, yeah, I was a bit upset that, uh, homie Miguel, but uh, I'm going to try to have up on the show sometime soon. He's a big soccer fan, so we can go over a lot of the, the ongoings of uh, world football before the World Cup takes place this summer. 
just a few months away. It should be exciting, exciting matches coming up. And then there's a lot of excitement going on just in European football too. Champions League ongoing. The uh, all the leagues are getting closer and closer towards the end. So the races are heating up definitely. But we were talking, we're just uh, just kind of watching the NBA All Star game, just kicking it, and we're talking about you know a couple of the different places that we're kind of familiar with and growing up. And I'm from Stockton, NorCal, and he's from down here, kind of like Hawthorne Torrance area. And uh, I was telling him, man, that like uh, being out here in the South Bay of like SoCal or about the Los Angeles South Bay. Cause I gotta clarify because this isn't San Jose or like the Bay Area South Bay, cause uh, they got one down here too. I know it tripped me up when people used to tell me, I was like, oh shit, you from Santa Clara or some shit? And they're like, nah, <laughs> from like Hawthorne. I'm like, what the hell? Where the hell is that at? So, anyway, like we're saying, it's like both both places. It seemed like when I first came down here, Torrance area and community kind of really reminded me of Stockton a lot because it actually was, uh, it didn't seem it seemed like a pretty middle class type of uh, vibe with also kind of a similar diverse kind of background and makeup as well because there's a lot of different type of Asian communities that are in uh, Northern California and it's, I was exposed to growing up. I mean, the Hmong, Filipinos... Um, like Pacific Islanders, like Tongan or Samoans. There's uh, some Chinese and some Japanese as well. There's a large Sikh community there. And there's uh, uh, some Buddhists as well. So there's a, it's, a, it's a pretty eclectic type of mix of uh, people. Vietnamese, Cambodians, um obviously a lot of Mexicans, there's a lot of different uh, type of uh, white people as well too, because there's definitely just like uh, different wasp type, you know, that you can find anywhere in the U.S. for the most part, and then there's, uh, tends to be a lot of Portuguese and a lot of Italian, like um, fourth, fifth generation that I kind of grew up with that were out there as well, because a lot of them came to that part of Northern California due to the farming and agriculture. And so they were some of the communities that were, you know, involved in that at the turn of the century and from uh, into the 20th century, I would say. So there's a lot of those type of communities as well too. I mean, there's definitely some Jewish people there as well. And a lot of, uh, um, there's a sizable amount of black people as well too, so there's a it's a it's a eclectic mix. There's kind of like the racial white people, and then there's a, uh, the history of a lot of the settlers who came after the Dust Bowl era, um, who came from like uh, um, uh, you know Oklahoma and like the middle of the country with. Uh, the uh, um, you know grapes of wrath type of uh, depiction of life, that type of uh, 
live in. And these people are sometimes referred to as, I guess, Ogies um, because they're from Oklahoma. But it's kind of just like a, some of it a derogatory term for like kind of like poor poor white folk who are from that, uh, that part of the, the country and who just came west just for looking for anything because there's definitely uh, pockets of those communities though there in like uh, certain parts of the, the 209. <laughs> and my dad actually growing up, I remember we're driving around the east side of town and there's actually like this one part of the community that's kind of like, like that, like I just said. And he was telling me like, uh yep so if you look around over here this right here when we used to call it uh growing up we used to call this place okieville because there were so many okies and uh they just lived out here all the time um and man i heard some stories from 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 my dad and some of my aunts and uncles too some <laughs> some some of the uh people they run run into it's uh it's definitely a different different type of uh feel of people for sure <laughs> but uh there's the people who like to, to hunt and all that stuff and there's the people who just just whatever plugged into being just a regular regular joe but well, well I, I guess what i was getting at is that it reminded me a lot of uh, the community down here in torrance and we started talking about how there's uh, a lot of different uh, uh japanese and koreans who live out here well, we were discussing like kind of history that is not really talked about. And one of the things he was telling me is that a lot of the Japanese who kind of stayed around here, uh, they did that because they actually were um, internment camps around the area. And so once the, the camps uh, ended after uh, World War II, a lot of them just decided to stay put because I guess a lot, not a lot of them had a lot of other options besides that. So... Uh, he was telling me though, he he's uh, in the past he was looking at some of the history, and like I think he did a study on it or did a paper. And he was basically telling me that like a lot of the freeway ends uh, where the, where the freeways end, that tends to be a lot of the historically where like a lot of the uh, internment camps tended to be. And I was thinking about it. I was like, huh, that, that makes sense because he was saying that if you think of like the uh, uh, the ninety one. Pretty much ends like Gardena, uh, Hawthorne area, North Torrance, and then the if you take it all the way to the other way, it goes all the way out to Riverside. And he was saying about like the 110 at the end of it, just like uh, you know Harbor City, San Pedro, Lomita area, that there were some some of those camps over here as well. And then the other way if you take the 110 all the way north past pasadena um it's the uh, pretty much the same thing so it was very interesting i was thinking about that it's like uh you really don't take so most people really don't take the time and understanding of like the reasoning why a certain thing is a certain way uh it really takes a lot of time sometimes it takes time and effort to kind of actually do the research and figure it out yourself but I found that very very interesting and it makes makes sense there because i know there was a lot of internment camps up north too um just all throughout the the whole state really really unfortunate um set of circumstances that a history that the, here in the u.s we really try to sweep under the rug just like we tried to sweep under the rug the fact that there was a lot of uh 
uh, Jewish people who were denied refugee, uh, denied being refugees here in America um, prior to the U.S.'s involvement in World War II. And that's a history that America's really got to own up to and just try to correct and, you know, ameliorate and make better. It's instead of something that we try to ignore and forget about. Because if you ignore and forget about something, you're destined to repeat that same mistake again. And, yeah, unfortunately, I kind of get the same similar feelings. Also, kind of on that topic, I mean, there was the whole uh, 1930s raids of... Uh, and deport of deportations they called repatriation at the time and so there was uh, millions of people who were rounded up and a good chunk of them actually were US citizens as well who were illegally sent back to Mexico or sent to Mexico for the first time in their lives and so there was a lot of them that uh, were sent back they ended up looking at the effects on the economy because this was done during the 30s when the depression era was going on so they looked at the effects, and ultimately it had a negative effect on the economy just due to the lack of the workforce in certain uh, industries. And even if eventually you're able to get people who, uh, you know, workers, it still takes a while to get them up to being quite as efficient as the, the people who were there before, up and running. And there's definitely bumps in the road and some losses that you're going to take there on the way. And... Yeah, I feel like people are ignorantly kind of thinking in similar terms where that that's just going to fix all their problems. And if you look just in the history of people, it always tends to happen is when uh, situations turn for the worse. People tend to look at each other and they try to create a different outgroup within a, a certain community, uh, another, an us versus them. And the them is usually always a smaller group. And so... For what it's worth, in, in America, there's been a repeated history of uh, Mexicans and Mexican-Americans be, being targeted because of that. And <clears throat> there was definitely a lot of uh, deportations in the 50s as well. And then, obviously, and then we got the 90s, 2000s. And let it be known that definitely Obama amped up and ratcheted up that uh, the numbers... To a high degree. So uh, we got to look at the big picture in terms of everything. So we can't just look at the situation amongst party affiliations or which way political leaning you might have. You got to look at the whole picture. And obviously it's a, there's a lot to entail and there's a lot to unpack there. And some people definitely will have a, a bone to pick regardless of what your background is too and how your perspective is uh, shaded in a certain way. So whether your family had certain hardships or not or where you're, you come from or whether you know the exact experiences or statistics or what have you of the situation. But <clears throat> in any event, it's just... Uh, I really hope... Uh, Society doesn't repeat the same problems over and over again. We try to improve upon them and, you know, become bigger and better. Because I'm not trying to move backwards. I'm always trying to move forwards. And I hope I hope we do as well. And I guess kind of pivoting topics then 
another big thing that happened this weekend, All-Star Game, NBA. Try to go on a little lighter note. I was uh, pretty good, pretty good, and pretty entertaining. Um, I think I'm somebody who puts probably too much weight in an All-Star Game. <laughs> in the past, I used to watch them all the time, and more recently, I haven't watched them as much, but this year was cool. I thought the whole switch up for uh, the formatting was interesting because it made it feel like uh, it was pickup ball type action, and the guys kind of t- took a little bit more pride in it. It was the same kind of uh, feel for most of the game in terms of the intensity, except that it was a little bit more focus on defense, I would say, because uh, like in the past they. They'd have like the same intensity on offense and defense, but like they just weren't being dialed in on defense. And today, or at least this weekend, yesterday, it seemed like they were uh, they were really uh, more often than not dialing in. And I thought that was interesting. They, <laughs> you saw teams, the LeBron team, LeBron especially, they were coming out and they were pressuring so the ball handlers, forcing some turnovers. In the fourth quarter, they put some traps on, and it looked like devastating. They, especially the last p- possession of the game. But that's what got them back in the game because they were kind of cruising along. They're down 15 on a couple different occasions and made comebacks. So they they kind of put the foot down defensively a little bit, which was kind of interesting to see because you don't really see that in a damn All Star game. But uh, it was it was cool. It was fun to see because you could see you could tell the guys were a little bit more prideful than in the past. So I'm excited that I saw Adam Silver say that they're gonna try to televise the the draft in the future. So that would be really cool. I'd uh, I'd like to watch that. <laughs> All the shit talking that uh, could ensue. These guys like just uh, trolling and throwing shade at each other. Uh, <laughs> find it funny, entertaining. It's the the whole dynamics of uh, oh man, LeBron ain't gonna choose so and so because he played with them or he didn't like him or he said something about him or <laughs> all this other stuff. And LeBron's like, Nah, man, I'm gonna pick KD and put him on my team. Man, <laughs> he's the best player. I'm trying to win. So I thought that was cool. <laughs> oh man, it was a it was a cool time, but. The NBA, in terms of uh, presenting the the game, like beforehand, that was kind of questionable, man. There was a bunch of like, like, what the fuck's going on moments. <laughs> like that whole introduction they do with Kevin Hart and like Rob Riggle, and I think Ludacris was there. I want to say Queen Latifah and Jamie Fox. I want to say it was Adam uh, Divine or whatever. Divine, Divine yeah. <laughs> that whole skit thing that thing was ridiculous that was crazy that was way over the top and completely unnecessary we did not need to see that or hear that it was crazy I was just uh, just sitting around trying to figure out what the hell was going on and it's like alright you guys you guys just went too far with that shit <laughs> but I thought Kevin Hart doing the little jokes in the introduction wasn't too bad you could tell he was doing some some of those were those canned jokes that you just kind of write and have written what are you like a farting motherfucker <laughs> you probably smell like shit all the time and like you know just like stupid little things like you can just kind of cut and, I call them, I guess there's like cut and paste jokes that you can kind of just tell them to just random people they're just like obvious lies that like uh, uh, they can kind of get a chuckle every now and then but it, you know, you could tell he did he was kind of not familiar with some of the dudes at the end of the bench um, 
but granted, it was uh, there's some funny ones. There's some funny moments. <laughs> I like the the one he did on KD. He's basically he compared it to uh, he was saying like, man, KD's so distinguishable. The only time he ever got uh, recognized as somebody else is when someone thought he was. Uh, Snoop Dogg and Baby Boy when he was wearing the the tank top, <laughs> I was like, oh shit, oh, that was a pretty good one. And he said something about James Harden's beard. He was like, man, uh, James Harden's beard is good, so big. It's got a, a two bedroom condo in there that he rents out to Airbnb on the weekends. <laughs> and he looked over and Harden was dying. <laughs> I think that tripped him up, which is which made me laugh a little bit too. But yeah, it was. Uh, I thought that wasn't too bad. It was a little corny, but um, if they would have done away with that whole skit in the beginning, that would have that would have been amazing because that was crazy. The other thing too that has to be said is what the hell was Fergie doing? <laughs> like, come on! Like, I'm no singer. I'm not gonna give her too much shit about it, but like, she went way left she went off the reserve by miles he was out there in no man's land i don't know what other terminology i could use she was just oh boy like a lot of people were saying she was trying to put her own unique twist at least what i was reading on online people were saying like she's trying to put her own unique twist on it but she she done fucked up (laughs) It did not sound like I think she thought it sounded to herself in the head. <laughs> it was kind of crazy. Because, like, she was like, trying to make it so it was like, uh, like, I'm, like, the, I guess her version of, like, the Marvin Gaye uh, Spar Spangled Banner. But it sounded like she was kind of doing that with, like, Cross with the Happy Birthday from Marilyn Monroe, <laughs> the whole, like, centralized version of it. And then, like, at the end of it, <laughs> she, oh, boy, she, uh, she definitely did not end on a strong note, man. <laughs> when the camera changed from her to Draymond, mouth agape, looking, staring off into the distance, not knowing what the fuck's going on. <laughs> oh, man, that was the, one of the classy, class, class. One of the most classic transitions <laughs> I can remember on live TV. That shit was hilarious. And then you cut the gray on. <laughs> you see him, he looks up on the jungle screen and he just starts dying, <laughs> laughing. And then it makes Jimmy Kimball laugh on TV <laughs> and so on and so forth. That was, uh, that was a, a little rough one on the ears, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> it's not the the best moments. And I, I saw Fergie apologize today, which is kind of unprecedented. <laughs> I can't remember the last time someone... I saw apologize for doing a national anthem, especially someone who's trying to go way out there and like just do their own thing. But yeah, that was uh, that was definitely odd to say the least. But uh, the game was the game was all right. The game was pretty entertaining. But I watched a little MMA afterwards. Actually, actually too, saw uh, Derek Lewis um, knock out Tybura, Tyson Tybura, I want to say, and then. What was the last fight? It was the main event. Um, oh, Cowboy Cerrone beat Yancey Medeiros, which uh, I was rooting for Yancey because he, he'd be training with the, the Diaz bros up in Stockton, and he's been on a hot streak as of late. But it was a really, really good fight, that last one. Yeah, they were going at it. <laughs> Freaking Yancey slipped on the mat 
as they were exchanging, and uh, Cowboy like takes a step back and like lets him get up, and Yancey could like gets up, has a big grin on his face, gives him a dap, and then gives him a hug, and they hug each other, and then they start fighting again. It was like, what the hell? <laughs> like, it was because like both fighters they had a lot of respect for each other. They don't really like hate each other or anything like that. So they just they just took it for what it was, and <laughs> they were both kind of just down to to. Um, they weren't gonna, I guess, do the the cheap shit, or they wanted to kind of win fair and square type of type of deal, and that's the kind of the the way cowboy be fighting anyway. <laughs> but especially so, I guess, with Yancey, because he had a lot of respect for them. But eventually, they were they both had uh, shots on each other where I thought, okay, okay, uh, this could be something. And then right at the end of the of the first round, like it was a buzzer beater knockout. It was incredible. He just clocked him with the right hand and Medeiros went to the ground and was just out you could tell and then didn't know what happened and then he hit the ground and Cowboy hits him with a couple follow follow up punches and Yancey's not covering up like he should and eventually the I think it was Herb Dean came in and stopped the fight which was a good stoppage but it was literally like a second or two away from the round ending they had clapped the uh uh the wooden blocks clack 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 so i think it tells you that like um like five or ten seconds are left so usually when you hear that you usually hear the 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 round end but damn that was amazing it was just like boom 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 it was just like in a blink of a second just oh guess the fight's over i was like ah damn i thought he was gonna make it through and i think yancey looked around he was just like Oh fuck! Can't believe it happened. He was so pissed, and it took him a second to kind of figure out where he was. <laughs> but eventually, yeah, the fighters like were chill. They hugged each other. They like knew. He's like, "Yeah, I got you, man." He's like, "Yeah, you did get me, oh man." Instead of like some bad blood that <laughs> some fighters really have. I think Yancey actually hopped out of the cage and went and talked to Cowboy's grandma and like uh, showed some love to her or whatever it was. I can't. It was weird. It was weird. But <laughs> came back in. And then they raised the cowboy's fist or whatever. So that, that was interesting. It's uh, the most memorable thing that happened on that broadcast that I saw was they showed a uh, uh, Nate Diaz down there sitting ringside. And as soon as the camera cuts to him, this fool out of his pocket whips out a joint, puts it in his mouth, takes a lighter, and like moves it around like he's about to go light it. <laughs> Even though he didn't really he didn't really light it or anything like that, <laughs> he was messing around. I was like, this fool. So it was a fucking G right here. <laughs> Does not give a fuck at all, man. He just does whatever the hell he feels like it. He's <laughs> an inspiration to a bunch of other badass motherfucking kids from uh, the 209. That uh, ain't could make it, man. But <laughs> that shit had me dying. That shit had me, uh, it was uh, definitely funny as hell. That... Uh, I guess going back, uh, segueing over into like the All Star game, like we were talking about, uh, LeBron ended up having the MVP performance and played really, really well. And a lot of people speculating because the game was in LA here in LA that uh, you know that's where he's going to be leaving to next year. But before then, uh, another big uh, headline that uh, LeBron was getting caught up into outside of the game of basketball. And uh, I'm going to use this segue to introduce a new segment that I'm going to try to incorporate here every here and then. Uh, every now and then, I should say. 
it's uh, things that make me go hmm or things that make you go hmm so today's topic we're gonna go over the shut up and dribble comments because uh, if for the people who have been living under the rock recently there was a uninterrupted segment that came out um, on ESPN I saw it on YouTube with Carrie Champion driving like an Uber or Lyft and uh, around Akron with LeBron and Kevin Durant in the back seat just chopping it up and they were um, this is like when they met earlier in the season so they recorded it and they edited it and released it for the All-Star weekend and so they put a section of it out and they put a thing out of it out and uh, they were basically bringing up the topic of uh, our current president uh, Trumpito so they're talking about him and how everything is how he's just been real hateful and how um, you know they're saying he's th- saying things that are racist and things of that nature and you can look up the specific comments but that was I guess the gist of, of it and they were just bringing it up and just in you know, relation to like a, a larger discussion, that a larger point that they were trying to make. So, LeBron and Katie, they have their their you know couple topics, and then obviously, if you've been paying attention to anything recently, you would understand that the there's a certain cable news network that has become the de jure and de facto uh, defense for all the actions that are going on within the White House. It's basically become the president's uh, puppets and trumpet uh, for everything that he would like to be disseminated to the masses as uh, factual information. So there's a host that goes by the name of Laura Ingram who's uh, not a very nice person, I'll just say that. She definitely came out with a segment lambasting LeBron and really attacking him personally for attacking the president. She went off on him on a number of uh, things, which quite frankly felt a lot of uh, veiled uh, racism within it and a lot of... uh, whistle calling whistle blowing and it was a lot of discreet type of uh, messaging that i've definitely heard before and other people have heard and can identify as being such so she was basically saying that uh, lebron should not have a voice that he should focus on his profession and what he does and that based off of the large amount of uh, income that he makes uh, as well as a lot of the benefits that he receives from being a professional athlete, that he therefore should, in essence, not have any complaints about modern society, and that he should basically shut up and dribble the ball and do nothing else. And if you know LeBron, you definitely know that this is not the case for him. He is the opposite of that. He is uh, one of the more outspoken athletes in terms of a lot of social issues I would say in my lifetime for sure because a lot of the athletes kind of came up out of the um, the hip-hop and the Michael Jordan era and you get those two combined you have one guy who is doing everything for the money and wasn't really controversial too much in terms of corporate interests 
in terms of speaking out uh, or certain things. He didn't do that as much as some of the maybe his predecessors did, but uh, he took the definitely the capitalist corporate mentality and he was very successful in what he did um, with uh, Nike and then expanding beyond that uh, Gatorade his other endorsements and became huge man so we I'm pretty sure most people know his story but LeBron he's uh, he's kind of been able to kind of blend the bo- uh, a little bit of both worlds he's been very successful with Nike and his line of shoes and his uh, whole brand of uh, uh, within Nike and as well as been able to speak out on certain issues I remember the Trayvon Martin I can't breathe um, t-shirts that came out or the Trayvon Martin tribute excuse me with the hoodies and then the Eric Gray I can't breathe t-shirts that he had uh, that he was wore uh, back when uh, those tragic situations were occurring uh, were fresh in the news and he's definitely uh, you know spoken up for people who have grown up in situations like himself I mean he came from a single uh, mother household in a low income neighborhood that uh, is a uh, drug and gang infested and eventually overcame it and was able to become one of the more popular just figures in the world let alone sports um i would say overall talent wise the greatest basketball player i've ever seen overall if you measure every single skill set uh like on a scale and you add tally it up i would take his number almost over anyone uh, but Man, the I, I got to give kudos to him for, for the comments that he said and what he did to kind of stand back and against her. And he basically almost kind of took it as uh, a good thing that uh, this was uh, she spoke out because he basically, basically gave credence to everything that he had said uh, previously about kind of the way society is at right now and then where he's trying to you know progress it and get it to be. And in in my mind, I you know hats off 100%. That's that to me is amazing, and I'm I'm glad that he was uh, was able to address that. Obviously, you got the situation that happened at his house. Um, reportedly, I want to say it was over the summer where the N word got spray painted on his house here in LA, and is that is another example? It just goes to, goes to show you. Just sometimes it doesn't even matter. Like. Uh, um, like they like uh, I think it was a Kanye West line. It's just like uh, um, it's like even if you're in a Maybach, you're still a n-word in a coupe. So I mean that's just kind of kind of the way it, it goes. Sometimes it doesn't even really matter. And I kind of feel the same way sometimes. It's, you know you get in my my perspective sometimes just like man it doesn't even matter how smart or how um, uh, talented or educated or artistic I might be some people might only see me just for being uh you know Mexican American or whatever but that's their prerogative and I can only try to go above that and I think that's what uh LeBron is trying to demonstrate too as well and I think he's being a good example in terms of having the right mindset and trying to um do something that is uh not just for himself cuz I think he would realize that uh I think even he realizes that he's in, he's in a position where even if he doesn't say a word for the rest of his life, he would probably do just fine, him and his family. But that doesn't move the needle for society necessarily as much as 
what he's doing now and being present and being active. So I give uh, give him some kudos for just uh, being present and having that on his mind. So shout out to you, Bron. I think uh, that was a good move. I think everything he did was, was classy. Uh, and just dealing with that whole situation. And it just goes to show you just how how shitty the perspective and the people are there at Fox coming from the top down. I know not everybody, yada, yada, et cetera, et cetera, but if, if you're going to be naive at this point, then it's, that's on you. That's well, well known. A lot of the things that they've done, it's well, well documented, so... The information's out there. It's just a matter of if you're willing and able to access it. And I would come to bet that uh, the vast majority are and are negligent or ignorant or are complicit in it. They understand it and they, they sign off on it. It's And there's other people who are just desperate and attention-seeking people and wherever they can get a platform they can get a platform but I don't like uh, hate spewing lie telling folks and that goes for both sides too because um, I don't like the whole cable news networks just any of them really it's just it's nauseating if you follow and watch those it's just never ending constant just level of anxiety that just never goes away never subsides it's just always there and yeah I remember last year or during the election time um, I guess a year and a half ago now it was uh, man I was getting anxiety because I was working at an office and they had CNN running in like their little break area there were some of uh, my coworkers' desks were sitting right there, and you could see the TV. And I was just, the TV, man, it's like it's gonna draw everyone's attention and like they're catching everyone's eye when they're just walking by. So, man, just like seeing the headlines and everything like that, even just CNN, it was just it was insane. CNN is supposed to be like the left wing's answer to Fox News, or not necessarily, but I guess just like the left wing cable news network, hence CNN. But it was. Uh, Man, it was just nauseating and it was infuriating because I was upset at the way they were covering certain things and yeah I mean nobody's gonna get it right 100% it's just it's tough it's tough it's tough to like have a intelligent actual conversation where things are brought up and it doesn't devolve but it is what it is but yeah another Another thing that made me go, hmm, this weekend. How about uh, our dumbass president's response to the situation last week in Florida? God, man, this dude is just... This dude just doesn't get it. He's mentally just not there, man. It's just... Writing's on the wall, dude. This guy's the puppet. He's just playing the role. So much other stuff involved I think that goes beyond him it's, it's it's almost not pointless but it seems fruitless to kind of just keep harping on his flaws and all the negativity that comes from him when we just kind of have to 
look at the apparatus as like a bigger picture and see him as more of just a as an effect and not a, a cause of what our problems are that we need to address. But in any event, this dude, he was just blaming the FBI on not following up on some tips from uh, the shooter and blaming the Democrats and blaming other folks, et cetera, et cetera. And said, they said the hearts and prayers, whole spiel. And then he also actually took a photo with some um, one of the hospitals where the, the victims were taken to and he t- took a picture that was just emotionally out of touch completely for the in, from considering what the situation was sitting standing there with thumbs up smi- smiling smirking with uh, other members of the hospital staff there it's just, it's just I don't know it just seems like He's just not there. He just doesn't understand it. He doesn't have that uh, emotional recognition or intelligence. Or he's just he's just not there, man. He's just yeah. And then he just he went on his Twitter spree early in the morning after watching Fox and Friends as he normally does. And man, it's just frustrating. Frustrating as hell. And finally, final thing that make me go, hmm, this week, uh, I was reading another article this weekend, I actually read it a few hours ago, I was talking about the change in um, wealth and income between the generations and the growth versus decline in certain countries and mapped them all out for the comparison between the um uh what you called the baby boomers and or generation yeah i guess it what is it generation because it's baby boomers generation x and then millennials i want to say uh hold on let me let me actually bring this back up <laughs> i got to bring this uh this article back up i don't think i tweeted about it because uh, I don't think it had a Twitter link. Um, okay. Let's see. Oh, I go to my history. What am I doing? What am I doing? I'm just talking around in circles. Just not really making sense. And people are listening to me because that's what podcasts are all about. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. It was. Where the hell is it? What the hell? Here we go. It was another one. It was Bloomberg. I don't know why the hell it didn't come up. Yeah. Let's see. Pretty much, yeah, I think this came out today. What the fuck? Why couldn't I find it? Anyway. Anyway. Back here we are. Uh, Okay, here's the article. So, yeah, so this income boom was basically comparing generation x versus millennial so those born before from 66 to 80 versus those before between 80 and 2000 so yeah there was a big decline here the income boom enjoyed by people born between 66 and 80 has turned to bust for the generation that followed them according to published port published monday in an analysis of eight high-income countries, like Resolution Found the Re- the Resolution Foundation think tank found that millennials in their early 30s have household incomes 
4% lower on average than members of so-called Generation X at the same age. Britain and Spain stand out. In the UK, Generation X were 54% better off than baby boomers born before 1946 and 65. By contrast, the millennials born between 1980 and 2000 had incomes just 6% higher than those of Generation X at the same age. Yeah. So there you go. So you got to think of inflation and everything else as well, too. It says the UK is also notable for the fallen rights of home ownership. For millennials in their late 20s, the figure is 33% compared with 60% for baby boomers at the same age. Now that is where a big difference comes into play. It's home ownership. It's a big, 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 big deal. This one says the UK, but the US also as well. It says smaller declines are found in Australia and the U.S. Boom, there you go. And so this article, yeah, was very, really interesting. Uh, I think I brought it up another time here on the show. Just the, the financial situations and the, the market and everything, the, the financial reality of my generation and how we're look, taking a look at the world and the decisions that we're going to be making and the access to money that we have and the ability to keep uh, building upon that wealth and growing upon it, that uh, is different. And the maneuvers and the ways that we can do that is different now than the way that our family and the older generations were able to do. It seemed back then it was a little bit more laid out. It was a simpler, easier path. And it seems nowadays it's a lot more competitive and it seems more predatory on uh, the workforce. I mean, I'm going to speak for myself. I've only had one job in my whole working career that's paid over 37000 a year for a salary. If, uh, if I do the math, I think I only had one. It was around forty, forty-two, And... Uh, that job didn't even last me like a half a year so before the company went bust so i mean um personally i could see it and i could feel it it's just it seems tough i don't know maybe maybe it's just me maybe the skills that i needed to learn were not necessarily taught the right way or maybe i'm not applying myself in the right way i always try to look at myself first before i kind of try to look at everyone else but when I see like large um, groups of people also kind of in the same boat, then it, it makes me feel like I'm not just the only one here on this lonely planet dealing with these issues. I mean, it seems our whole generation is not as well off as uh, the one before us. And it seemed like the when everything was nice and uh, everyone was nice, fat, and happy, people kind of doubled down on that and kind of assumed that that uh, state was just, status was just going to be there forever. And I think a lot of the uh, decisions that were made for, uh, were made with uh, short-minded and short-term perspectives. And I think our generation is starting to try to look a little bit farther and further into the future and try to be smarter about things. I mean, this comes in different different waves of different things, different topics that we can go over. 
I mean, one of them that comes to mind is definitely protection of the planet because the last few generations have, for better or worse, kind of decimated it. I mean, they've definitely profited and um, been able to take advantage of it in many different ways. We've gotten amazing, amazing things that have happened because of the oil industry, but we've also had some terrible, terrible things that have happened as well. So you got to look at it both ways. You got to be able to place value in certain things. And sometimes our value structures are different, and we can agree to disagree, but got to be able to have everything and understand how everything relates to. Um, but yeah, just disappointing and. It makes it tough because, you know, it's like you try to have respect for pe your uh, people who are older than you, and people who have been there, have done certain things. But it, it's it's harder and harder for me to kind of take the knowledge that I have and not be upset at some of the um, some of what has happened. And it's tough because I know <laughs> if you get at mad at individual people, sometimes they're not the ones that. Um, even proposed or were proponents of certain things or even took advantage of it or what have you but it's tough it's tough if you get slapped by somebody or if you're like uh, you get bullied by somebody who wore a black hoodie every day and you see somebody else with a black hoodie sometimes you might get triggered that way it's, I kind of liken it to that that sentiment I mean just just be, makes me frustrated just thinking about it what are you gonna do can't really fix the whole fucking economy just by one person so I'll just say fuck it and just barrel through I guess kinda gotta take that mentality while at the same time trying to do as much as possible to make it better for the future so it is what it is you just kinda gotta deal with it Things that make you go, hmm. Things that make you ponder and ponder and ponder. Because that's what I do. And that's why I pretty much I put this show together. Because I got all these thoughts and they just be pinging around in my head all day. And yeah, I'd rather not be a psychopath. <laughs> and say, fuck it. I need to get it out. Oh yeah, another thing I wanted to discuss too, I guess, while uh, we wrap this up. Is just... Um, Thinking about starting a diary up again. I was writing a little bit in it last year. I started it up and was tapping in every so often because I was going through some shit last year, so kind of needed to get it all out there. And it was before I had access to this mic, so I think I'm gonna use this a little bit of a, of a way to kind of get some of that off my chest and just kind of be able to put it out there and move on. But I definitely need to start to write certain certain things down, so some more. I haven't checked in with that uh, my journal in like months, so you get back in the habit of uh, writing a lot. Cause uh, I think uh, I think something somewhere along the line that's gonna be beneficial for me in whatever pathway decision I might make. Cause uh, yeah, I mean, just looking at myself and like my future, I'm not even sure. You know, a year from now, necessarily where the, the the bills might be getting paid from. I mean, I got stable income now. I've had situations where I've been in that are similar to this that have kind of gone bust too. At the same time, 
it's tough for me because all the jobs that I've kind of been in, like the roles that I've had, have definitely could have led to somewhere within the company or within that uh, segment or of uh, of market or type of uh, uh, industry because I've been in a couple different ones, but. I don't. I've never really stuck around long enough, or got myself entrenched long enough to kind of move myself up that corporate ladder. But at the same time, I've kind of looked at some of my positions and have made decisions to move elsewhere, based off of being able to be more financially secure, a little bit better pay, or some other benefits or what have you. For you know, maybe not the best or the most fruitful future for the long run so for me it's like really difficult to kind of do the math in my head in terms of what is worth me sticking around for versus what is worth me just kind of getting up and leaving or trying to find when is the time to find something new and I've been at my current job about a half a year now and it's like the people are amazing I'm not gonna lie everyone's been good it's just I feel like it's to a certain extent I don't know maybe maybe I'm demanding too much of myself because I know there's other people part of the company who definitely do a little bit more um, and are more integral to the day to day because if if I up and left tomorrow I think they would be able to find a way to transition and find some uh, find a way to, to take over and close the gaps and then eventually get somebody up to speed but Obviously, if you get somebody else who's a higher up executive, then it, that might be a little bit more difficult because not everybody has that same skill set that they need. But it's it's a weird it's a weird uh, situation because this industry it's it's feeling it's feeling like a job again instead of uh, something that I can just without a doubt just be. On, have unbridled joy for and that's I mean that's difficult that's, I guess that's most people and you just gotta kinda suck it up too but part of me just wants to demand more for myself and want more now I guess that's me just being a little impatient or or I guess me in the past undervaluing myself so I don't really know where I'm at with that I guess we'll have I guess uh, tune in into the future I'll give you updates but it's yeah I guess personally I don't know I don't know it's a lot of a lot of uh, question marks. The more answers I get, the more questions seem to pop up. I feel like it's like whack a mole thing, cause uh, it seemed like I was on a pretty good path in terms of where I want to be, and once I get like halfway there, it seems like the path kind of changed a little bit, or the road's a little bit bumpier than I thought, or it's gonna be a little longer, longer ride than you might expect. It's just. I don't know. I'm just trying to figure it out for myself, just uh, where I'm out in the world and what's what's really good. What's where's the goodness? Where's the next good thing happening? Cause, uh I always try to keep that uh, that good mind frame. Cause fuck it, what else? What else you gonna do? And not really a big fan of depression kind of dealt with that crap a lot in the past and I'm trying to put that monster to bed as much as possible so yeah I mean every day I'm alive and every day I'm breathing here is a, a blessing for sure it's uh 
something you should not be taken for granted, and I'm trying not to. So, just onward and upwards. Another day we're living here is uh, another day to be thankful, for sure. And that's all you can do, really. So that'll that'll about wrap it up now. We're uh, just about done here. This has been uh, your host, Murata Mario Caballero. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Puro Caballero. This has been episode six of the Puro Caballero Show. Signing off. Peace.